Have you ever dreamed of one day owning your own business, but just don't know where to begin? Then you've tuned into the right show. On All Things Franchising, you will hear from top national franchisers, successful franchisees, attorneys, CPAs, and others who support this fast-growing business model. So grab a cup of coffee and pen and notepad because you will want to capture the invaluable information you hear on today's show. And now, here is your host, Linda Ballesteros. Hey folks, welcome to All Things Franchising. This is Linda Ballesteros. I am your host today. Thanks so much for finding some time in your busy day to spend with us today. So today we're going to be talking about the fitness industry. Uh, and just to give you a heads up, this is February the 9th, 2021. So we know the fitness industry was hit pretty hard uh, in 2020 due to COVID. Um, just a, a little bit of information that it is a huge industry. There are currently 111,055 um, 11, uh, franchise, uh, I'm sorry, fitness businesses in the U.S. The U.S. fitness industry was a $36 billion industry in 2019. I don't have the 2020 numbers for that, but it certainly tells us that it's a huge, huge industry. It grew 3.7% between the years of 2014 and 2019. If you recall, during that period of time, we saw more and more gyms, different types of gyms pop up during that period. Now, with that being said, franchises have, uh, fitness franchises have grown at almost double that rate at a 6.3% increase during that period of time. So you can see that it is a huge industry and uh, will continue to be so. Now, it may change a bit, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. Today, my guest is Eric Killian, and he is the fitness CPA. He's a second-generation CPA. Uh, he's the second-generation CPA owner and the founder of the fitness CPA. He was also the CFO and board member of a national fitness franchise, which he helped to grow to 17 locations across five states. Please help me in welcoming Eric to the show. Eric, I'm so glad you're here today. Thank you for being here. Really great to be on. Thank you for having me, Linda. And just in case we don't lose anybody else here, uh, these lessons across the fitness industry and fitness franchising are really applicable across all small businesses and especially other franchising businesses. And so I still hope that we have some other listeners who are going, you know, maybe fitness isn't your thing, but hang on because these lessons are definitely applicable across other franchise types of businesses as well that we'll talk about today. Well, thanks for clarifying that because you're right. Um, there are a lot of businesses that certainly could benefit from the information you're going to share with us today. So before we get started, Eric, tell me a little bit about how, as a CPA, you decided to kind of focus on that fitness industry and to help them. What, what attracted you to that? 
Well, I think like a lot of us, you know, we end up falling into things um, serendipitously. Um, I ended up getting connected with a national franchisor group and really liked what they were doing. I really liked the brand that they were building. And, you know, they weren't just selling something to sell something. I'll, I'll tell you, that's one of the traits you want to look for in a franchise if you're looking to purchase one is, you know, not just a good business model, but people who are passionate about what they're actually mm-hmm. doing out there in the world and I gravitated towards them and started getting involved in, in really just doing their accounting and, and doing their outsourced CFO work, helping them with their numbers, and then realizing that there was much more at play here as we started to get involved and help them grow across multiple states and you know grow into multiples of locations. I realized that this industry had a lot of um, challenges that were not, not necessarily unique, but that kept coming up over and over again. And I thought, well, you know, I've, I've started to learn a lot. It's been about 10 years since I was on that uh, franchisor board. And, you know, these lessons are lessons that we can teach people so that they don't have to make those same mistakes. And, you know, that, that is what franchising is about at its core, in my opinion, is taking the lessons that other people have learned and not having to make those same mistakes again and to be able to take people's successes and grow on top of those as your foundation and, and do an even better job than the people that came before you. And so, you know, that opportunity became really clear from a fitness approach saying, okay, well, now the fitness industry has these nuances. Let's talk to clients about the issues, the challenges, the successes, the wins that they're having, and be able to help them level up in their businesses um, and, and also in their lives too, because business is life. Um, I always like to say that a, every business is a family business because it affects you and, and your loved ones mm-hmm. around you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, Eric, when I work with clients, one of the things that I say is, if this business model doesn't fit in your current lifestyle, then you already are set up to be to, for failure. Because, like you said, there's no there's no line here. You don't check out at the end of the day. You don't punch the time clock, so to speak. Go home and don't think about it again until the next day, because the business it becomes another member of the family. And you have to make sure that all of that works well together. So when you were working with this franchisor and looking to expand, um, what was some of the advice that you gave them to find the right people, to find the right locations, and make sure that that was that they did have the passion that you're talking about as well? Yeah, you know, and I I think that is a really great question because finding the right people is probably the hardest part about growing a franchise or group. Um, And I think it's a two-way street as well. If you're a franchisee and you're talking to franchisors, you have to feel like they're your people as well. Um, You know, sometimes we generally feel that we click with someone or that, you know, we have a, a certain flow that we're syncing up on a lot of ideas. And I would say if there is some friction, if you're not sure if you have the same operating style, if you're not sure you have the same communication style, if, you know, the organization is still kind of figuring things out, um, you know, that really should give you pause to, you know, potentially say, first, do some more research and, and learn, but maybe there's another group out there who would be a better fit. And so when we were vetting our franchise candidates, 
and going through those interviews and discussing with them, I think it's really important not to force the situation. A lot of folks want to approach a business as completely a business deal. And what we have to realize is that in a, a lot of franchising business, they're service-based businesses. They're providing, you know, something to the community. And, you know, we all have to get along at the end of the day. And so making sure that there's a good fit and feel. But, you know, more than that, one of the things that brought me into the fitness industry, the reason I gravitated towards this whole niche is because my background and, you know, having a passion for fitness comes through. And I usually tell people that, you know, they, they can probably smell you if you're not really passionate about it. They're going to, they're going to mm-hmm. know, you know, you can mm-hmm. try to fake it. If you're going to be running a cleaning franchise and, you know, you're not a meticulous neat freak, it's probably going to come out in your work. Mm-hmm. If, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, whatever your franchise concept is, you should have a baseline passion for it. You know, it doesn't have to be your be all end all, but I think one of the recommendations I have for small business owners is, you know, to make sure that that passion is somewhere inside you and it's not just a business opportunity. Um, and, and many people do make it work as a business only opportunity. I'm sure there's a lot of success stories out there, but I believe that, that people can see through that. And so it's important for that passion to be there underlying as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely. I agree 100% with that because if you, if you don't like cookies and you're going to um, start a cookie shop, then that's, that's going to that's gonna definitely come through. Now, let's talk specifically, Eric, about the fitness industry. Overall, we all know that it was hit pretty hard in 2020 due to COVID. And uh, what have you? What were some of the things that you saw happen in 2020, and has the industry changed because of it? Absolutely, it's it's changed, and you know it's it's always going to be evolving, though it's always going to be changing. I don't know if um, you know maybe all of your listeners know, but um, there are still several hundred jazzercise fitness locations in the U.S., and I think that surprises some people. Um, to think back about that era and that time period, and they still have clients, they still exist. And so the fitness industry has gone through these shifts in time where some of the old models continue to work and will continue to work for some time, but over time that change does happen. And so they need to be open to it as owners or as franchisors in these groups. Um, you know, we, when we look at small businesses in general, and especially franchises, we usually break them out into kind of three different groups. Um, the first third is the ones that generally do very well. They're seeing, you know, you know net profit in the one to two to $300,000 per location range. And those locations generally did okay through COVID. They were adaptable. They had teams in place. They were able to, you know, at least continue to be minorly profitable. We've got a second group of people who, you know, struggled through COVID. And those are the ones who kind of earn a paycheck. They're able to make a living. They're able to pay, you know, themselves or, you know, their family members that work in the business, maybe 50 to $80,000, somewhere in that, you know, kind of range that's a living, but it's not necessarily hugely popular, you know, a a huge boon or, or profitability. But then we've got that third group, and the third group is the ones who are, you know, really struggling to make a go of it. They're roughly break-even before COVID. They're losing money each month, and, of course, they're trying to grow. They're trying to solve problems of being a business owner or perhaps a new business owner or a new franchisee. And through COVID, these three different groups 
we saw drastically different results across them. The ones who were in that bottom third, you know, by and large, those are the ones who faced the most challenges during COVID because they were already having a tough time. And so a lot of those businesses did unfortunately close um, or are on the brink of closing um, or had to put in significant amounts of, you know, capital or family cash flow or bring additional investors in. Those two were doing okay and barely getting by. You know, they're still holding on, um, the large majority of them. And, you know, they'll, they'll hopefully get to the end of this. But the third group is the one that's fascinated me the most. The ones who were doing well before, we have to admit they had a good business in a lot of instances. They had a lot of, um, you know, a lot of players in place to be malleable. But these were the people who, as soon as they saw change coming, they were adaptable. They were not being so rigid. They were not being so married to, you know, their large group-based classes. They pivoted to a virtual or hybrid format. And of course, these concepts, some of these changes now are common language. We're now almost a year into COVID as of the time of this recording. And of course, everybody now knows about virtual classes. But my clients that were in these top third, as soon as COVID hit, they were looking into virtual, I mean, literally within a week of the COVID crisis happening. And we see that adaptability and that um, not being so rigid in what the future is going to look like was, I think, one of the most important traits in those who survived and thrived through COVID. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would have to agree with you because um, I've been interviewing all through last year. I was interviewing franchisors and I can tell you that the ones with a strong leadership team, and I know everybody's tired of hearing this word, but they were able to pivot quickly. They were able to assess the situation and get their arms around something, even though they'd never been through it before. You know, if you remember back around March, I guess it was, Eric, um, people were saying, oh, in two weeks, it'll be done. Oh, you know, Mm -hmm. 30 days. Oh, by June. Well, if you waited, a lot of your franchisees could really be struggling. But these leaders that jumped in right away and helped their franchisees to renegotiate their lease agreements, you know, they were able to maybe waive the royalties for a period of time. Whatever they decided to do to help their franchisees, it certainly not only help them keep the doors open, but I would have to say that those franchisees will be dedicated to that particular brand because of that. I'll I'll tell you what, Linda, I was fighting my natural inclinations through COVID. We had a client who went out and, you know, things were not doing very well early on and we were very concerned. And my natural inclination as an accountant is very conservative. And they went and invested almost $15,000 on high-end video recording equipment. And I about had a panic attack and I had to talk to my client and I said, you know, you know, Jerry, what, what is going on here? What, you know, you're spending a lot of money. I'm really concerned. You shouldn't be doing this. And of course, the business owner, this is that kind of top third group is thinking and, and literally saying to me, no, you know, we're, we're pivoting, we're moving in this. And I realize it's an investment 
but this investment is, you know, where we need to be headed. And of mm-hmm. course, that client gut decision ended up being the right one. But I think we, the point here being is that sometimes we have to fight that um, ability to, sometimes it takes money to make money. Sometimes we want to stay the course, but, you know, having that gumption to go out and make that type of change and take risk, which is what business owners do, is ultimately what makes them successful. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, when you think about it now, Eric, it's like now they've got another product. Sure, the gyms are open. They're open maybe a little bit differently. uh, But now they've got another product to offer clients. I think it's what happens during these times is it forces – creativity. And that's exactly what you were talking about. He became very creative. Couldn't agree more. And and that's what we'll see here is this pivot towards this hybrid model. I think it's common nomenclature now. People are thinking about in-person and virtual. Um, And so this will be the path forward as fitness businesses evolve. And just like every industry, there'll be those who go back to their old ways, but certainly those who are going to have staying power and are going to have brands, if you're a franchise or listening, um, you know, and, and if you want to latch onto those old ways, that's okay. Um, but the ones who are going to be leading forward are, are certainly going to be in that hybrid model where they're doing virtual classes, they're also doing in-person, they're bringing in um, nutrition counseling, they're bringing in a holistic approach. And it's, you know, again, interesting, there are certain niches within fitness who have actually done better. And we've seen a shift from the large group-based classes to what I would call private or semi-private. And these people who are doing uh, one-on-one coaching, two-on-one or three-on-one coaching, and pairing it with nutrition consulting, who are pairing it with customized programming that they can do at home as well or in person. These businesses have actually grown through the pandemic and mm-hmm. not just because of their hybrid approach, but because I, I think as a whole, the consumer base is having a shift in what their needs are. Um, you know, in the past, this group-based fitness, um, you know, this, this group that grew up doing, you know, large yoga classes or large CrossFit classes, they're maturing and they have disposable incomes and people are looking to get more value out of their time um, training or exercising or trying to stay fit. And so with that one-on-one approach or three-on-one approach in a semi-private, they're able to make an investment. And of course, that's a higher margin item for our locations. And so it does mean that some of them are pivoting their spaces. They're, some of them are moving to new locations. Some of them are redesigning their programming. But um, you know, these smaller group you know, trainers or personal trainer type brands have done quite phenomenally well through this. And it's really neat to see that evolution serve, um, you know, this, this generation that grew up doing large group-based fitness classes. Mm-hmm. You know, as we've been talking about this, Eric, I'm wondering, is the fitness industry still something that someone should um, consider being involved in? Is it, is it stable enough? for those that might be looking at a franchise opportunity for them to take the next step with that. If you're thinking about becoming a franchisee, um, you know, I think now is a really great time to lay the groundwork. I wouldn't necessarily be excited to jump in with both feet and sign a lease today. Again, as of kind of February, 2021, We have seen clients sign really good deals. They're getting their ducks in a row, but they're not putting everything on the line. So, you know, they're not planning on opening up tomorrow. They're not 
signing a personal guarantee for a 10-year lease. They're kind of waiting or they're talking to the commercial real estate brokers. They're talking to different franchisor brands and they're getting everything lined up, making sure that the financing is there because I think we're getting to a point right now where people are thinking about getting back in, but you can get a really good deal. And now we want to be careful with every deal comes a risk, but if people are early to market here, I think that they can strike maybe more favorable terms with a franchisor. Um, I would recommend asking for reduced royalties, if not for the duration of the uh, franchise agreement, at least for the initial year or two, or based on certain criteria, I would ask for a reduced franchise fee, that initial fee that you pay up front. I would ask for additional support, you know, come to the table and get a deal that's favorable for you. And then the same thing is true of a lot of people who need uh, physical commercial spaces. You know, talk to landlords and talk to your commercial brokers. You can generally get, you know, very favorable terms right now. At the same time, you can just kind of get that deal ready and maybe wait another 60 days. Maybe wait until vaccinations start to proliferate. And then at that point, that's when you actually sign the paperwork because you're able to see the light at the end of the tunnel and know that we're for certain going to make it through to the other side of this. Because I think where we sit today, there's still a little uncertainty. And so I do want business owners to be aware of that risk um, and, and juxtapose that with the potential of getting a good deal in this climate. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Some of the things that you mentioned, um, Eric, I don't know that everyone is um, aware of, and that is even though the, the, the uh, agreement, it, the FDD, the Franchise Disclosure Document, has everything in there, there are still some areas in which you can negotiate with that franchisor. And now is a perfect opportunity for you to really come to the table with that franchisor and before signing that FDV to to discuss some of the flexibility that might be in that. Is that something that you encourage um, your, your clients to do is really review that FDD and see if it works for them. Yeah, and just for listeners who maybe aren't familiar, that FDD is a financial disclosure document. And, um, you know, it's got the word financial in it. So us accountants get really excited when there's numbers (laughs) involved. And uh, it has the terms that kind of outline the relationship between the franchisor and the franchisee. And um, there are a lot of, you know, legal language in there. But at its core, a lot of these are deal points. How much in royalties will you pay? How much in fees? What will one party do versus the other party in the relationship? The one party being the franchisor, the other being the franchisee. Um, I see all too often people who come to us after the fact with a deal that they've signed and it's not favorable. Um, you know, one might be a simple one might be a radius restriction. They um, don't have a large enough radius restriction where they might have other units potentially being in their same footprint. Another one might be a group that, for some reason, they pay a higher royalty than the previous units. And certainly the franchisor is maturing. They think they can get a higher royalty rate, but maybe that royalty rate isn't as sustainable in this climate. And so for our clients that we advise, um, or anybody who is out there listening, I would recommend getting an advisor on your side, someone who has experience looking at these agreements and pushing back on key terms. Now, Everything is a negotiation, in my opinion, but we also have to be flexible as well. So decide 
what are the points that really make the deal palatable for you? Not just, you know, what would be nice, but what are the things that would actually make a difference in your business? For some people, for example, they actually have a little bit of challenges coming up with that upfront money. So they would want to push back harder on that initial franchise fee. For other groups, they maybe have the initial funds, but they're more concerned about the long-term road. So in those groups, they might agree to pay the upfront fee, which is typical in franchise agreements, typically 30 to 50 or $60,000 upon signing, but they might negotiate a lower royalty. They might negotiate, you know, 5% instead of 7%. And, and I would say you're initially going to get some pushback, just like any negotiation. Most franchisors will put up a, a facade of being inflexible and they might, you know, say, gosh, well, you know, we've never done that before. Continue to push, be reasonable, um, and I think you'll certainly get some concessions and almost certainly in this climate. Yeah, yeah, very good points there, Eric. I tell you what, I need to take a quick commercial break. However, I love stories because it really does uh, tell us how things work a little bit better than us just talking about the the facts about it. Do you happen to have any stories you could share with us when we come back from commercial break? Yeah, I'd, I'd love to talk about some groups who have thought about franchising and have worked out and some groups who have thought about using their own brand. And let's talk about that nuance after the break. That sounds great. Folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back with more from the Fitness CPA. House Talk Radio. Join Tony and Wendy Gambone on House Talk Radio, where they talk all things house. From tips on home repairs and remodeling to best practices on buying and selling a home, hiring contractors, home loans, and insurance, as well as decorating ideas and how to get the most bang for your buck. If you would like more information about House Talk Radio, go to housetalkradio.com. Tune in every Thursday morning at 9 a.m. to Tough Talk Christian Radio with Tony Gambone. Tough Talk Christian Radio is for those who want to share and receive expressions of faith that will help you take the next step in your relationship with Christ. Listen in to hear from others about their experiences of faith and the love of Christ. Call in to share your experiences at 347-989-1363. Learn more by going to toughtalkchristianradio.com. Are you dreaming of owning your own business but just don't know where to begin? The wait is now over. Linda Ballesteros is a catalyst to becoming a business owner through franchising. Whether you are looking to create a living that will allow you to leave corporate America, change your lifestyle, allowing you to enjoy the fun things in life, or if you're looking to build a legacy that will support your family for years to come, contact Linda today to start the process of being your own boss. Linda at EmpowerFranchiseConsulting.com, 832-640-4922. Hey, folks, welcome back to All Things Franchising. Linda Ballesteros here, and my guest is Eric Killian, and he is the Franchise CPA. So when we broke for commercial break, Eric, I ask if you happen to have some stories you could share with us. Yeah, yeah, Linda, I, I think stories are really helpful in letting us know that business owners are real people, too. I think 
Sometimes it feels like you're alone out there. And, you know, of course, there's podcasts like this and others out there, you know, sharing their story. But some days you really do feel like you're alone and, you know, you're looking for guidance or you're looking for other people's experience to help. And, and again, that's really what franchising, I believe, is about is learning from others' experiences um, within the, the confines of a brand to, to help make you more profitable or more successful. And, you know, I think one of the questions people are probably having through this time right now, especially in our industry, the fitness industry, there's a lot of people thinking about starting their own franchise brand. And they're wondering, is now a time to be a franchisor? And, you know, what does that mean for me? And, you know, I've got a, a wonderful brand. I've got a successful location. You know, I have figured this out. And so, you know, I should go ahead and take my brand and, um, you know, expand it. Um, or you also have people who, you know, are thinking about starting their own location and they're going, you know, I can do this on my own. I don't need a franchise or I don't need a franchise brand. I certainly don't want to pay those royalties or those upfront fees. You know, I can do this on my own. And I think as business owners, a lot of us want to be self-reliant, but you know, we have to look at the statistics first and foremost, those who buy into franchise brands are more successful than those who start their own brands. There's a system, there's a process in place, and it's not the right decision for everybody, but there are those um, who have a much higher success rate um, so that they don't have to go out and reinvent the wheel for you know, what it looks like for branding or what it looks like for the client onboarding experience or you know, what their, their fitness structure is gonna be like as far as classes or training or nutrition. And so you know, that franchise can be very helpful but we have to juxtapose that with people who think that they're going to be the next national brand. And I think that that's a challenge. Um, if you're thinking about starting a franchise or a group, if you're thinking about selling locations, um, you know, we have clients of ours who've tried to do this in the past. And what you know, they, they've come to realize is they're able to sell, they're able to get some units out there. And there's initially a lot of momentum and, and talk to other franchisor brands, talk to people who've tried to build up their own concept. And you'll learn very quickly that initially you can get some traction, but then what happens is, is you're leaving the fate of your brand in other people's hands. You're leaving it in other owners' hands. This could be a good thing if you have a group of really strong owners who are passionate and can run a business like you would envision them. Um, it can also be very challenging if you're giving up a lot of control. Maybe they don't do things exactly like you'd like. And so we have other clients who have decided or through a through maybe not so good experience, they've decided to pull back from the franchising lane and they've decided to open up other units that they have control of. Now, what's the downside there? If you're not franchising, it generally means that you're growing slower. So, you know, you're, you're doing a bit more of the work. You need more financing. You need more capital. You know, you're not able to go out and grow by 10 or 20 units per year. But this controlled growth can be a much better opportunity. And, you know, we've seen it with our clients where, you know, we have a location that runs a fitness concept and, you know, they tried to open up, you know, multiple franchise locations and it ended up being really challenging with the personalities and the owners involved but their original location ended up producing, you know, $300,000 worth of profit um, per year. And they regrouped and refocused and decided to open up more of their own locations. And, you know, their second location then also producing $300,000 of profit per year. And so, 
trying to balance. Do you want that fast growth at the expense of giving up control or do you want more stable growth and having that control? And, you know, I think that same concept applies also with having your own brand as well. If you're going to go the franchising route, it can be a really great way to get to market fast. You can have that help in the support system. If you're going to do it your own and you're not going to go the franchising route and you're going to, you know, you know, start Eric's fitness company, um, then, you know, you, you have to be prepared that it's going to be a little bit of a slower road towards success. And you're going to run into some of those bumps along the road that you might not have if you had been a franchise concept. Mm-hmm. That Those are all great points, Eric. And, you know, another thing that happens that I've seen is, um, you know, say there is uh, Bill's fitness, fitness center and he decides he wants to franchise. Bill is very passionate about fitness. But what Bill doesn't understand is he's no longer going to be in the fitness industry. He is just going to be selling fitness locations. So being that franchisor kind of takes you away from sometimes that passion of being on the floor, helping the client, see, helping them see results. They're, they're not in that same role anymore, are they? No, and, and I think that's where a lot of people need to talk to someone who's been in the industry. I, I usually encourage folks, um, you know, we're advisors ourselves. We tend to focus on things related to numbers, finances, building performance and budgets. But we usually encourage people who are thinking about these things. The first thing is, is to get a team around you that has experience, um, whether it's consulting with franchises or franchisors, whether it's accountants or attorneys or other business owners and really start to vet out these ideas. Too many people have a vision, um, maybe a light vision of what it looks like to own a franchisor. In your example, Bill says, well, I love fitness, so I'm going to be a fitness franchisor, but he really needs to do the homework and sit down with people to talk about the pros and cons of being either a franchisor or opening up his own concept. And it's that due diligence process that Mm -hmm. is really important. And especially with a franchise brand, and I can't stress this enough, too many people think that if you just let it go and give up the control to the franchise group, that they'll do all the work for you. And nothing could be further from the truth. Um, Really need to encourage potential franchisees to do their due diligence and talk to three or four or even a dozen existing owners talk to really, really ask the franchisor group those hard questions and make sure that that brand is going to be the right concept for you to invest in. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, just to hammer home the, the point that you made, Eric, is that when you plug into a franchise, I don't care, care whether it's cookies or whether it's a fitness, it doesn't make any difference. You still own a business. Just because you hang the shingle out there of a brand that's recognizable, that doesn't mean automatic success. You still will have to be out into the community. You still will have to network. You'll still have to build those relationships. All of that is critical to success, and that is not something that the franchisor can do for you. You have to do it yourself. You know what I learned, Linda? A lot of people um, through any recession, we see more franchises open up in and right 
after a recession than any other time in history. And franchises have been around a long time. I was actually quite fascinated to learn this. And if we step back and we think about it, it's fairly logical. A franchise brand has that, that backing and it has less of a risk profile. And people, I think, in a recession, they're sitting around and they're trying to reinvent themselves. And so right now is actually a really great time. We have a light maybe at the end of the tunnel with COVID. Now I think is a great time to do that due diligence and to think about um, you know, what it means to be a business owner and to start vetting these concepts and to do the due diligence. Too many people come into us after the fact. I'm sure it's the same for your consulting practice. They, they, after they've already inked a deal and they're already too far in. And I would say the preliminary work is the most important work you can do um, before opening or before signing up as a franchisee. And, and now's that time to say, hey, maybe, you know, I've got the itch to open up my own business. Maybe I want to, you know, start something and start doing that due diligence now um, that we talked about before. And, you know, as COVID starts to recede and as we start to see the other side of this, it would be a great opportunity to, to start a business with a brand that, you know, has an established footprint and has a system and process in place so that you can focus on running the business because there's a lot of that to do. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of, like you said, networking and getting out there and actually running the business. Um, it's not just deciding, hey, I'm going to do this one thing. Mm -hmm. that's, that's exactly right. Um, if you've had a job in the past and an eight to five, a nine to five, whatever you want to call it, um, if you've had a job in the past and you think that by having a business, you'll have those same hours and that there will be um, that uh, the first month you'll be able to receive a check. That is the farthest from the truth. You cannot um, you cannot assume that coming out of corporate that you will just continue and not miss a beat and you just go to work and you come home. It's not the same as having a job, is it? No, and, and one of the things that we always like to tell our clients is that being a business owner, it's really great. You get to work any 12 hours of the day that you want to. And, you know, we kind of say that tongue in cheek, but, you know, you really, you're working much more than nine to five. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the challenging misconceptions that people have in buying a franchise business is that they can just buy it and it will run itself. Um, certainly, we've seen people succeed in having a day job and buying a franchise. But by and large, we usually recommend that people don't have a day job um, and that they're able to really go all in on the business that they're purchasing or that they're buying into it almost in every instance results in a more successful operation. Yeah. Yeah. Most definitely. Eric, we're getting down to the end of the show here. If someone is listening and they would like to have conversation with you to see if they're on the right track or maybe get some advice from your expertise, how would they find out more about you and the French of uh, the fitness CPA? Well, first, I would just say it's never too early to talk to us or other consultants before you get involved in a franchise or before you get involved in a business. That early due diligence stage is important. You can find us at thefitnesscpa.com. We've got a YouTube channel, a Facebook page, but a lot of our content out there. Check out our blog. We've got a lot of helpful ideas for uh, 
fitness, current fitness owners and potential fitness business owners, but drop us a note on our contact us page at thefitnesscpa.com and we'll be happy to schedule a no obligation consult to talk through, you know, maybe what ideas you have about jumping into the industry or about starting your own business. Sure. We're down to those final three questions. And the first one is, if there is someone listening who's considering purchasing a franchise, what would you suggest that they do to prepare for the process? I would talk to existing owners of that franchise. Um, I would make sure that I've built out a pro forma. Um, I would make sure that I don't just accept at face value the franchisor's information. I'm not going to sit here and say that franchisors are being dishonest, but they're definitely going to put a positive spin on the information. They're going to share selective information with you, and each market is very different. So they may share a successful location, whereas your local market may have some unique challenges. And so make sure that you're bringing in advisors and consultants that are good at poking holes into the idea and not to shut it down completely, but just to make sure that, you know, we've got our basis as covered and we're prepared for what we like to call kind of a worst case scenario. We're hoping for better, uh, but we really need to make sure that, you know, six months in, if the business doesn't have traction, that you have a plan in place. You've got a, you know, a best case scenario, you've got a likely outcome scenario, and then you've got a worst case scenario, and you're able to navigate each of those before you sign up for the franchise brand. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Great advice there, because when you bring other people on your team to ask some of those questions to the franchisors or, you know, provide you with the questions to ask, sometimes someone that is maybe just coming right out of corporate, Eric, they don't know what questions to ask. So they're, they're babies. I don't care if you've done your due diligence, there still may be questions that you don't know to ask. So uh, I appreciate you bringing up the fact that they really need to have a team around them to help them through this process for sure. And if they can work with somebody who's niche specific, you know, we focus on the fitness industry and some other health mm-hmm. and wellness brands. But I, I do think they're, you know, asking your consultants or advisors, have you worked with this type of concept? Have you worked with this type of brand before? Because there are nuances to each one that can be helpful. Um, and really, I guess as an accountant, I have to say, get those numbers up to date. Get, you know, if you're not an Excel guru, get someone who is and start to math out the numbers for what those scenarios look like, um, you know, seeing it in black and white and getting the numbers together. Um, I, I have had people who have literally bought franchises by writing numbers on the back of an actual napkin. Um, I've, mm. I've seen it happen, but mm. generally don't recommend that approach. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I'm, you know, you hear about those stories, but you, <laughs> you don't think they really happen. Um, now, the next question here, Eric, is, and we may have talked a little bit about this in the Um, while we were talking earlier, what are two traits that make a successful franchisee? I think the first one right now is going, is deciding whether you're in or whether you're out. There are too many people right now who are on the fence about what the path forward is. 
And in order, you, you can have perseverance and you can be formidable, you know, all of these words. But at the end of the day, if you're wavering on your decision, then that's going to come out in everything that you do. And so the first trait is someone who's decisive and says, I'm in this, we're going to make it through. And if you're not in it or going to make, you know, not sure that you're going to make it through, that's okay. Um, and that means that you need to start planning for closing. You need to start planning for acquisition or for selling or for exiting the business. And a lot of people are making that decision and that may be the best decision. But for those of us who are in, let's not waver. Let's say we're in, we're going to make it through, we're going to make this work, and we're going to be successful. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, you know, you mentioned uh, exit strategies. Um, I, and, and many times people get wrapped up in the excitement of something new that uh, they don't think that at some point, you know, they, they may need to, they may want to plan for what that exit looks like. Is that something that you kind of prepare your clients for? We do. We have people reaching out to us right now. We have clients that are going through those. And I think exiting can sometimes be exciting if your business has grown. And I think exiting can also be something that can be challenging. Our goal for our clients as they exit is to get them the best deal possible if we're talking about a buyout um, or if it's not going so smooth, talking about limiting the risk so, you know, getting a favorable exit plan with a landlord where you may have signed a personal guarantee, getting a favorable exit with debtors or creditors. And, you know, those are things that people don't want to think about. Um, you know, those are not always the best types of exits, but they may be what's necessary. Um, the good exits are the ones who are, you know, selling their business for, you know, three or four times, um, you know, profits, you know, one times annual revenues. And those get to be pretty exciting because, those people have accomplished something. They get to see their brand live on, and they get to also, you know, be, you know, um, you know, see the fruits of their labor as far as, uh, you know, getting a payout or buyout for for making that exit. Sure. So the final question here is, what does the future of franchising look like? Franchising is here to stay. Um, it is a really strong area for people to go, especially in the fitness industry who don't want to reinvent the wheel. Um, the future of franchising is going to continue to change. Um, and I think as an accountant, I'm always going in with a conservative approach. And so there are always going to be people out there in the franchising group, um, you know, trying to give you the, the best positive outlook. And I would encourage people to remain skeptics because there are folks out there who maybe are being a little dishonest um, and don't have the best intentions. Um, but for everybody out there who's trying to take advantage of someone, there are some wonderful brands that can really give you a leg up into whatever industry you're looking in, and especially in the fitness industry, um, and can help you, you know, live out your dream to be a business owner and you know, be, be passionate in what you envision opening a business in and franchising is going to play a critical role in that for a lot of people who maybe don't have the fundamentals of business ownership or marketing or branding. And so, you know, leaning on it when it's necessary to get into franchising, I, I think it's going to be a really um, especially important in the wake of COVID to help people execute on their dream to own a business someday. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. 
Eric, this has been just a great conversation, and I know that you have so much more to share. Um, I'd love to talk to you about coming back on in a few months for us to um, just check in again with the fitness industry and see how things have changed. Would you consider coming back again? Absolutely. And I'm, I'm really excited to see where this industry goes in the next few years. I think like every other industry in the wake of COVID, um, we're going to see natural evolutions. That's what business owners do. Um, they, they always come back bigger, better, and stronger. And so really excited to see where the rest of 2021 goes with our clients um, and, and other business owners who are going to come out of the woodwork here and think about opening businesses in the second half of 2021. Absolutely. Eric, one more time, if someone's interested, how would they find more information about the Fitness CPA? Yeah, please find us online. Subscribe to our newsletter, thefitnesscpa.com. Wonderful. Thanks again, Eric, for being on the show. Great information. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Linda. Wonderful being on. Absolutely. So, folks, you know, at the end of the day, I always leave you with a quote or a thought. So, Here's, here's what I'm going to leave you with today. Money is multiplied in practical value depending on the number of W's, that's the letter W's, you control in your life. What you do, when you do it, where you do it, and with whom you do it. Now, I have mentioned on many shows the, the value and the need of having those trusted advisors in your, in your corner. And that's what we talked about today. Uh, Eric talked about making sure that you have those people that can help to advise you when you are doing your due diligence. So it's all about with whom you do it with. Folks, thanks so much for joining me today on All Things Franchising. Look forward to seeing you next time. Another great episode of All Things Franchising is now in the books. You can listen to past shows by following All Things Franchising on Facebook and Twitter. Thank you for joining us today, and be sure not to miss us next time when we bring you a brand new episode of All Things Franchising.